0: Thank you very much guys, awesome worship, really really good, thank you. Youth, yes, Uh, if you're in the youth then please go to the back and they will show you where to go and you'll be meeting in the back room and there's a great youth group going on there. Good morning, no it's afternoon isn't it? You know, I always do this in afternoon, evening meetings. Good afternoon. Welcome to Hope Church. If it's your first time here this morning, can I give you a really warm welcome? Tell you we're glad you're here. We've been expecting you. We're pulling out all the stops to give you a great service so you enjoy it and you get blessed. Um, You know, I, I wrote down some notes some things that I wanted to achieve from the message this morning, really thinking it through. And the major way I would sum it up is to see a successful 2019. Anyone want to have a successful 2019? The thing, the bigger question perhaps, or the, the, in order to be able to answer how to have a successful 2019, you've got to know what success really is, haven't you? What actually is success? I don't know about you, I've, I've achieved different forms of success in my life. When I was younger, um, I was academically gifted and I went to university and I did really well there. I got a first and, and came out with a math degree and then went on into a career in the banking sector. But I was working in assurance, so that's kind of like going into companies and advising them and on, on, on strategy and stuff like that. And that was really, really successful. The the year that I went into that, 30,000 people had applied for the company that I got a job for. And they only gave eight to the people in Liverpool. I was one of them. Uh, There was some in Manchester and different ones throughout the the country. You could say that was success. I didn't stay there very long because it wasn't for me. I didn't kind of enjoy it. It just didn't feel right. And actually, i had been already been in teaching, and I just missed it and wanted to go back into teaching. And one of the things I would say is that as success is different for different people. You can't just make a blanket comment and say that success is just one single thing. We can say some truths about success, though. And some of the truth that we can say about success, I think Jesus summed them up better than anything else when he said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He, 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 what he's essentially saying, I would, I would paraphrase what Jesus said. Sermon on the Mount is probably one of the greatest places you get this. But if you want to think about success and what it really is, what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospels, what Paul's saying throughout the New Testament, is this: that actually, if your life is only your success, if you like, is only about yourself, you failed. You've actually failed. Success has to be more about others than it does you. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful yourself. That doesn't mean you can't do that. It's just that I believe that when the goal is just money or the goal is just position or title, that actually those things are empty. And I think that in the end, when you get to the very end, it's going to be a deception. It's going to be something that you're going to regret. There's actually going to be a cost at the end. And I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want to live a good life. I want to have a good life, but I don't want to get to the end of it and be regretting it and thinking, oh my goodness, I've, I've, I've used my whole life on myself and me only. I, I want to give you the, the very best that I've got to offer this morning that's going to really encourage you and bless you. One of the things I want to say though is in fact my sister summed it up really, really well. She she was talking about her faith and, and all of this, and she just said this, she simply put it this way: The fear of God has kept me. The fear of God Has kept me. And and that, if you're not a Christian or if you're maybe new to the faith, that could sound like a strange thing. The fear of God, it can almost make God sound like he's someone to be feared because he's a harsh person. But it's not. It's awe, it's respect, it's because of his power. It's actually something that keeps you on the straight and narrow, it keeps you in a right place. And it's the fear of God. That keeps us. And one of the things is that I, I don't wanna I don't believe in building a church that makes people dependent on church in a sense of you have to come. If you don't come, it's gonna be terrible. Done through fear and, and, and intimidation and manipulation and all of these kind of things. But here's the thing, right? So I, I never wanna get up here and, and and be, you know, make people dependent. If you don't come, then it's going to be terrible. But here's the thing, right? In my life, okay, in my life, I have committed myself to the church. Now, you might say, well, that's great for you, Barry, because you're the pastor. Of course, you're going to be committed. And if you're not committed, then, you know, what's the point? The, The church doesn't even go. But here's the thing. Me and Vicky have only been running this church for five, six years, and we've been coming to this church, well, Vicky, longer than me, but me personally, for 1997 was when I started coming to this church. And in all of that time, I've been committed. I've been coming inside and out. For the first 10, 12 years, I don't know, I didn't keep track of it. I wasn't in any kind of position. I wasn't in any kind of leadership position. Yet you'd see me there every Sunday in church, there, committed. And it's commitment. Commitment. One of the things before I talk about anything in this message is that commitment, one of the things you see about any successful person, a trait that they all have is commitment. They commit themselves to things and they don't give up when the going gets tough. They don't just turn around and, 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 and change their mind when it gets difficult. They see it through. They are consistent. In fact, I would say this that con- commitment and consistency are two, they go hand in hand. Doesn't it say in the word that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways? It goes on to say this, that let not that man expect to receive anything. Anything. A friend put it this way, he said, how could they? God wouldn't know who to give it to. If you're double-minded, you're two people. Which one does God give it to? Commitment is key. Jesus said, we can build our our lives on the rock or we can build it on the sand. But if you build it on the sand, then at the end of it all, it's going to crumble and that building will not stand. But if you build your life on the rock... If you build your life on the rock of commitment to God, of trusting in Him, then He says no matter what storm comes, no matter what situation arises in 2019, in your life, your house, your life will stand. It will withstand those storms. No matter what, whether they be your fault or someone else's, whether they just be what what might appear to be chance, no matter what it is that comes into your life, you will prosper, you will prosper, you have to prosper, the word promises that. Do you know that uh, one of the, the best cleaners is light, light, if you think about it, if you took a garment, a piece of cloth or a bit of clothing and you left it out in the, in the sunlight, what happens to it? It fades, doesn't it? it has a, light has a bleaching effect, It actually purifies, if you like. It cleanses. It it takes all the discolorant out and everything. And the discolorant might have meant to be there if you wanted a nice blue jacket or whatever it is. But bleach, white light bleaches. And it's the same by speaking things out sometimes. I believe in the power of positive confession. The Bible says that. And, And I've seen it work really, really well in my life. But I don't believe in lying. Say it as it is, just don't say it worse than it is. And also stick the butt on the end and and let's remember what God says on the subject. But here's what's important, you see. Sometimes actually speaking something out can have a bleaching effect. It can actually make it seem not as bad as when it's kept hidden and in the dark. Because the enemy, if you know that, if you're a believer in this place, do you realise the enemy loves to operate in the dark? That's where he operates best. That's where he has his most successes, in the dark, in the crevices, in the hidden things. So I want to have a bleaching effect here. I want to talk about some of the negative things and address them, not just to talk about them, but actually address them that can go through our mind. You might have some of these, you may not. None of these may apply to you. Some of these may, all of these may. As you're thinking about 2019, maybe you're still thinking about 2018. But as you're thinking about it, maybe some of these thoughts have come into your mind. When you're thinking about, I, would call, I called them this when I wrote them down, I called them the great deceptions, and this was my list of them. Thinking that what you need... Here's the first one I came up with, thinking that what you need, what you require, maybe it's some form of finance, I mean, that's an easy one to talk about, isn't it? Maybe it's something, a relationship thing, whatever it is, maybe it's a new washing machine, maybe your washing machine's broke. Whatever it is, the thing that you need, that thought that it's going to be more difficult, it's going to be really, really difficult to get. Anyone done that? Anyone had a big thing in life and you're thinking, this is going to be so difficult. This is going to be really, really tough to achieve. How many people have done that? When actually what you need is actually going to be really, really easy. That's the truth of it. It's actually going to be easy. Because what it needs to achieve it is actually not brute strength. It's not some form of physical power that you've got to work out at to get it. Here's another one. Some people have something special that you don't have. It's easy for them because they've got something special about them and, and I don't have that. Anyone thought that? Anyone looked at other people? Maybe maybe there's something about them. Maybe they're good at something that, that you'd like to be good at, that you feel you should be good at. And you're looking at them thinking, they've got something special that I just don't have. I just don't have that. And that's why I say they seem to do better than me because they've got that thing that I haven't got. Maybe you're going into 2019 and maybe the thoughts have been that well, this is me. This is who I am and I can't change. Maybe you're thinking I'm too old to change. Maybe you're thinking you're too young to change. Guess what? The old people think, us oh, it's because we think we're too old and we can't change. But actually, think back to when you were young. You thought you were too young to do it. Now you think you're too old to do it. Which one is it? Maybe you've got that thought about the thing in 2019 that you just can't do anything about it. It's not in your hands. It's out of your circumstances. You can't, you can't have any effect on this situation. You just got to hope and pray and, and see if that happens. Maybe your situation is that you, you feel like you're destined. Maybe you feel like there's, there's something about you that is destined to be an underdog. That's destined to be poor. That's destined to struggle in life. That's destined not to have any good relationships. Maybe you think you're destined not to have a partner. Maybe you just think you simply can't. Maybe your issue is you just simply think, I can't. I just can't. Maybe you think it's already decided. Anyone believe in prophecy? Anyone believe that that there's some things that that God has set into motion that are going to happen no matter what? Maybe you've somehow fell into a belief that you're destined for some negative thing, for some bad situation, for some bad circumstances. Maybe it's because it's just harder for you. Maybe it's tougher for you. Maybe you're not as clever as the next person. Maybe you're not as talented as the next person. Maybe you're not as good looking as the next person. Who knows what it is, what it is that comes into your mind. Maybe it's all of those things and you're just thinking, I'm just not as good as them. So I'm just, it's not going to happen for me. It ain't going to happen for me. Maybe you think that there's some power, there's some force, there's some person. Maybe it's someone, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a colleague or a neighbour or a family member and maybe you think, they're just going to stop me. They've got the power to stop me and they're the ones that's going to stop this thing from happening. They're in control. Maybe you think you're trapped. Maybe you think that some people are more entitled to you because they seem to have more money or talent or friends or it's easier for them or they're better than you or they're more powerful than you. Anyone ever seen or been a part of a 400 metre race? Remember that when you were a kid at school? I was a PE teacher for a short time or did a bit of PE along with teaching maths. And, and, and one of the things you do with a 400-meter race, Eli will be able to tell us this, is that you stagger the starts because you stay in lane for a 400-meter race. You don't break and just and you stick to your lanes. So the person in the outside lane, when you, the race starts and they go onto the back straight, they're, they're almost starting on the back straight. So straight away, it looks like they're ahead. It looks like they're in front of you. It looks like they're they're, they're, they're well gone. But then you know what happens, don't you? Because the fact is that everyone runs 400 metres in a 400 metre race. Some may start further on than others. Some may look like they're further ahead than others. But everyone runs the same race. Everyone stays in their own lane. And you know, I want to tell you, so it is with us, with God. It may look like someone else is more talented. It may look like they're more gifted. It may look like they've got more opportunities. It may, may look like they've got more going for them. It may look like God is blessing them more than you. But do you know what? The standard is the same for everyone. God judges us all by the same standard. Not where we start, but where we finish. Not the advantages that we had along the way, but how we ran the race. Our faith level. Anyone believe that? Come on, tell me. Do you believe that? Come on, it's true. I'm telling you, they're just in a different time zone. If you've been looking at other people and, you, and they just seem to be having it going for them all the time. They're just in a different time zone. They're just further along than you. That's Okay. It's not wrong. And guess what? If you're the one that's had all the success, I'm not saying that Oh, now it's someone else's turn and you're not going to have any. Do you know what it maybe is? Maybe it's your turn to, to reach out and help them have the same success that you've had. Maybe now it's your turn to bring them along. So that you get the same reward at the end that they get. Because that's how God is judging it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.15, Do not judge people ahead of time. Don't judge ahead of time. God doesn't judge halfway through the story. Because if he did, David could have been in a mess. Abraham could have been in a mess. Moses could have been in a mess. Any one of us, Peter. Peter was in a mess for most of it particularly while Jesus was there, that guy just couldn't get it right. He looked like he was destined to fail. He wasn't as intelligent as the next one. He was stupid. He wasn't clever. He made daft mistakes. He was rash. He bounded out where no one else, everyone else knew. Oh, don't do that. Take your time. Be sensible. Oh, no. Peter jumped in the water. He, he, he spoke, I'll never let you down, Lord. He did all of those things and made an idiot of himself. But Jesus didn't judge him at that point. In fact, Jesus didn't even judge him on the day he was crucified. Because if he had, he would have judged him as a failure. Because he did exactly what Jesus said he'd do. He denied him three times. Yet, yet... Jesus saw the end. Jesus knew the end and he knows the end of your life. He knows the end. He knows the beginning. He knows the middle. He knows the difficulties. He knows the trials and he's with you through it all. Every single one. Right now, at the very beginning of 2019, I want to tell you now he is with you. He knows what's going to go on in May. He knows what's going to go on in July. He knows what's going to go on in August. He knows what's going to go on in December and he's with you through it all, you and your family. That's if there is an end to 2019, but let's see. You know, in Acts one, it, uh, it, it, it there's a, a brilliant verse, verse three could could probably go. Almost, you could, there's so much in, in Acts 1 and 2, and so much has been written and, and preached about it. But in verse 3, it says there's, there's a, a phrase in there, a phrase in there. It says that they have seen and heard seen and heard right at the beginning of the book of Acts right so think about this anyone if you know what went on in that book and you know what happened this was the these first couple of chapters was was the time that it all came so the disciples all of the followers more than just the disciples all of the ones that they had been going to Jesus and and they're basically saying to Jesus hey Jesus when is when is all this great stuff going to happen when is, when is it all going to kind of come to fruition? When am I going to win the lottery? When are you going to sort it all out and fix it like it's an event, like it's a moment that we're all waiting for? And Jesus says, no, no, no. You missed the point. That's not the point of it. But even before that, it says in verse 3 that they've seen And heard. Now, when you think about what these guys did, what they went on to do, they didn't just do the good stuff. They didn't just do the miracles and see thousands come to faith and and miracles and and healings and, and all kinds of amazing things. They were stoned to death. They were persecuted. They were beaten. They were mocked. They were abused. They were mistreated. They were talked about. They were lied about. Yet, right at the beginning, it says they've seen and heard. Now, here's the thing Jesus told them that all that stuff was going to happen to them. And right at the beginning, what the Bible's telling us is it's reiterating this they had seen it. They'd seen it. They'd seen everything that Jesus had done, and they believed in him. They had utter faith and commitment right at the very beginning of Acts. They had complete and utter faith and commitment in who he was, in who he said he was, and in his resurrection, that he was the Lord of Lords, that he was the Messiah, that he truly was God. They believed him. So they gathered together and they were waiting. They were waiting for this great event that was going to happen, that was going to transform them, that was going to transform the world. The final victory, you could call it, is what they were waiting for. That was how they, the kind of phrases they were using about it. Jesus was going to sort all the Roman Empire issues out and you name it, everything, all the oppression, the law, he was going to fix it all. When's it going to happen, Lord? When? When does it happen? When does this thing happen? When will we be happy? When will we be victorious? When will we win the lottery? When are our numbers coming up? Do you know what happened? Pentecost. Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit came. You see, what what they were looking for Even at this point, although they were much more mature by this point, something had had happened, but it hadn't fully happened even by this point because it happened at Pentecost. In that moment, anyone ever wondered why Peter was such an imbecile right the way up until the book of Acts? What happened to him that changed him, that transformed him in the book of Acts? He was, an, he, was, he was an idiot. And so many of them were. Which one of the disciples, which one of them was mature and, and fully in faith? None of them. Not a single one. You could go through them one by one by one. All the ones that are mentioned and talked about. They all got it wrong. They all messed up. Yet suddenly at the beginning of the book of Acts, something happens. And suddenly these guys are changing the world. Suddenly it's in their hands and they're ready for it. And it was Pentecost. It was Pentecost. I, I want to ask you a question. If, if, if you've got phones with you, right? Right? Get, get your phones out, right? Because I want you to write down some, some things. Just make a few notes just on a, on a notes app or send yourself a text. Say if you've not got a notes app or you don't know, just send yourself a text message, right? And what I want you to write down is, I want you to write down how you feel. Not now, not right now, not in this moment, although you could write that down. But I want to really know, how do you feel on a daily basis? What are the, the overwhelming feelings that you feel on a, on a daily basis? Are you feeling full of faith and, and hope or are you anxious and worried? Do you feel nervous? Do you feel intimidated or do you feel strong and confident? Do you feel you're just in the middle and I'm just okay? Do you feel happy? Do you feel at peace and, and overwhelming fulfilment? Or do you feel like you're not really achieving anything with your life? Do you feel like failure? Do you feel like success? Just take a moment. How do you feel? What are those overwhelming thoughts? Oh, someone's already texted themselves. <laughs> Brilliant, good stuff. I'll take that as McHugh to kind of carry on. You, you, you know, people so many people think right that if they win the lottery we've all had that dream haven't we i don't even do the lottery and i've had that dream you know like suddenly someone's going to give me a winning ticket i don't even do the thing so but we've all had that 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 feeling haven't we that if we suddenly won i mean how much is enough because i don't think today a million's even enough is it to to really you know a million's not even enough is it when you think about what the world's saying a million just doesn't seem like enough now you're you've got to be winning 80 million to be even in the game, to be even considered rich. A million today. I mean, there's people with houses that have got more that that are worth more than a million pound. You want to really kind of, you know, if if you're talking about that amount of money that's really truly going to make you completely and utterly happy, it's probably in the tens of millions, isn't it? In the 80 millions or the hundreds of millions, maybe even. And so many of us and so many people think that, hey, if, if that happened, if it came into that incredible amount of money, that would be the golden ticket that would make me happy, permanently happy. But some of you might already know this. It's scientifically proven. That's a load of rubbish. There's no amount of money that will make you happy. Money doesn't make you happy. Now, you might drive drive around in a nicer car being unhappy than you were before, but you're still unhappy in the nice car and the big house. Because it ain't money that makes you happy. It's fact. And, And even in lottery winners, I mean, the overwhelming majority of them are unhappy, actually. That's all the statistics. That's all the evidence. They're all actually unhappy. So you might say to me, yeah, but Barry, there's plenty of rich people out there who are happy. Well, yes, they may be. But I would suggest this, that the truly happy rich people aren't happy because they're rich. Actually, they're, and if you talk, and, and, and I, my definition of rich is not fi, a number, of finance number, money in the bank or wages or anything like that. I don't believe that's the definition of rich, actually. But if we're going to talk about it on a, on a financial point of view, The truly happy rich people financially are not happy because of the money they've got. They're happy because of the way they're living their life. They're happy because of the feelings that they feel every single day. And actually, the finance is a byproduct. Byproduct of it. That's just, they're not in it for the money. They're not about the money because the ones who are in it solely about the money are never happy because there's never enough there's never enough. If it's about money, there's never enough. I was a math teacher and one of the, one of the things you learn when you're really studying math is the biggest number. There's a, a proof to prove that there is no biggest number. And it goes like this. It might, you might, it's not that difficult to understand. I think it's a beautiful thing actually. If you want to prove that there is no biggest number, you give it a name. Call it Bill or David or X, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. You give it a name. And that's the proof because as soon as you give the biggest number, as soon as you assume that there is a biggest number and you give that a name, what about Bill plus one or Dave plus one or X plus one because that's bigger. So that proves there is no bigger number or no biggest number. And it's the same with the amount of money that will make you happy. There isn't an amount. It doesn't exist. So what is true happiness? What is it? it's the way you feel every day it's how you feel every day it's your feelings so what are your feelings how are you feeling on a daily basis are your feelings overwhelmingly peace and joy and happiness and contentment and excitement curiosity anyone write down curiosity if you didn't, write it down. Curiosity is a great feeling to have, to be curious about life, about what there is for you, about what your role in life, what God's got for you. Curiosity will make life so much more interesting. It's the answer to boredom. Get interested, get curious about how you can do it better, how you can figure out more about it and, and make it better, make it but not just for you but for others. happiness is is a state of mind it's almost tangible so the question then becomes how can we be happy I don't actually think in this side of eternity we can be happy all the time I don't think that's even a good thing I just had a a lost couple of losses actually recently personal losses and and you know, a couple of people had said to me, oh, you know, love to kind of make it right for you. And you, know, and, 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 you know, and there's nothing you can do. When you've suffered loss, there's nothing you can do. And if it's something you cared about, if it's something that was important, if it was something that mattered, actually there's, there's an argument to say the goal isn't to not, you know, if you, if you lost a loved one, a really close loved one, do you want to just breeze through that without a care in the world? if it was someone you truly loved, then surely you actually want to mourn. You want to to feel that loss and that sense of, of, of loss. So I don't think the goal is to be happy all the time. I think all the mo- emotions are valid, but I do believe that we should be able to, to, to be in a, a happy state of mind, to be in peace, even if we're in mourning, to be peaceful about it and know that this is okay, this is right, this is where I should be right now. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, and what I'm going to tell you is that what is happiness? It's how you feel on a consistent basis. And that determines the quality of your life, how you feel regularly. Not just on the odd occasion, we all feel losses at times. Happiness is a feeling where you can go there and you can be there at at any point that you want to, that you choose to. So how do we do that? How? How do we do that? It's the same as wisdom. Wisdom is a, a place that we can go to, a thing that we can have. All of these things are achievable and they're really, really easy to achieve. You just go and you take them. You go and you take them. You go and you have them. So how do you go and you have them? How do you do that? How is it so easy? Well, there's three key elements to it that I want to just touch on this afternoon. The first one is knowledge. It says in, in Hosea, uh, the, the old translation, if you like, the New King James puts it this way. It says, my people suffer through lack of knowledge. More modern translations put it this way. My people suffer because they don't know me well enough. They don't know me well enough. So how do we really get to know God? How do we get to really know him and understand him? By his holy Spirit, by his Holy Spirit let me ask you a question do you know what happened that transformed those disciples transformed them into people who were great men of faith that no matter what was ahead of them they were strong they were confident they knew that they had it what was it? wasn't just the New Testament either. The people in the Old Testament had glimpses, had experiences of it. David talked about it. In fact, David, when he fought Goliath, do you know that the Bible doesn't recall him praying before he goes to, to face Goliath? What it does recall him is what he said, his statement of faith about who God was. Now, let me explain. I'm not saying he didn't pray. I'm just saying that the Bible doesn't recall recall it, doesn't record it. It's not the major emphasis. The major emphasis was on what David did and on what David said and what he had. Because by that point, when he was about to go into battle with Goliath, he knew God that well, so well that he was prepared, that he was ready. His armour was on and it wasn't the armour that we think of. Because that stuff, Saul tried to give it to him and it didn't fit him. David's armour was like the song. We fight our battles with different weapons. And our weapons are strong and mighty. And they never wear out. They never dull. The blade never needs sharpening. The gun never runs out of bullets. The shield is never defeated. The shoes never were out. So the first one is knowledge, knowing him. Do you know him? How well do you know God? What is your knowledge of God, of his word, of his thoughts for you, of his feelings for you, of how much he loves you, how much he's for you, of how much he's already done for you? and you know one of the the, the 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 ultimate way to know god is by his holy spirit have you been baptized in the holy spirit do you know it because do you know those disciples at pentecost what happened to them was they were baptized in the holy spirit They suddenly didn't just know God like they already knew Jesus. They were face to face with him. You would think, wouldn't you, if you were face to face with someone, if you spent three and a half years with somebody, you would know them. They lived with him. They were there with him. Everywhere he went, they were pretty much there. Yet they didn't know him like they knew him at Pentecost At Pentecost, suddenly they knew him in a different way. They knew him spiritually. They were spiritually alive. They spiritually knew him. They just didn't know him in their heads. They just hadn't just seen him. He was in there. He was with them. He was part of them. The veil was removed and they knew him. Their eyes were opened and they could see. What if I said to you that all the situations, all the things that you're hoping for for 2019? What if I said that all the problems that you've had leading up to 2019? What if I said that the answer's already there? It's been there all along. What if I said that actually... There's just been a great deception. An enemy has come and tried to deceive you into feeling that you're not as good as someone else. That you're destined not to achieve the great things. You're destined to be lonely. You're destined to to be poor. You're destined not to achieve that position. What if I said that none of that was true? And that the answer had been there. All along, it was right in front of your eyes. Whatever said that God could just remove the veil, just take it away, so that you could really see Him and see this world as it truly is. Whatever said that you could have happiness wherever you were, whoever you are, whatever time of day it is. Whatever said in any moment whatsoever. You could be happy. Whatever said, you don't even need to pray out loud. Doesn't matter whether you're in work. Doesn't matter whether it's Monday morning. Doesn't matter if you've just had a, a, a letter that's bad news. Whatever said, in even that situation, you could be in perfect peace. Would you believe me? It's true. It's true. It's really true. Those disciples were just the first ones to experience it. They experienced the love of God, the power of God deep within them. They were touched by something not of this earth, something that created this earth, something that could do something that eyes can't see, that ears can't hear, that can only be felt and experienced that actually causes you to see differently and to hear differently. Something that gives clarity and truth. It's God. It's God. Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus when he came in the middle of the night, you must be born again born of spirit you must know him not just pages on a book not just to read him not just to come to church but to truly, truly know him and the first way is being baptised in the Holy Spirit the second way is easy, it's the Bible read it, read it When you read the Word, when you read the Bible with the Holy Spirit within you, the pages come alive. The words come alive. The meaning is relevant to where you are right then at that moment. And the last one, the most important one, is to do it. Is to do it. Is to do it. Step out in faith. Step out in faith and trust him, not man, although you do trust man, but when you do, you trust in God, you're trusting in him, not in the man or the woman in front of you.